Hi everyone, welcome back to Daily Gospel Exegesis Podcast, where we're all about doing an exegesis on the Gospels, so trying to get at the literal sense of the text. And the way we do that is we go through it verse by verse, so we do a verse by verse exegesis of the Gospel reading from today's Mass, and that's usually a really helpful way of working out what it meant in its original context. And that's where we should start as Catholics. So this podcast is designed to help you enter in more deeply into the gospel reading that you, you will hear at today's Mass. But we do it a bit in a bit of a unique way because we're not looking for the spiritual sense or we're not doing a homily. We're looking at the literal sense of the text. What did it mean in its original context? Today, if you go to Mass, you would hear from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. On the way to Jerusalem... Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered one of the villages, ten lepers came out to meet him. They stood some way off and called to him, Jesus, Master, take pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go and show yourselves to the priests. Now as they were going away, they were cleansed. Finding himself cured, one of them turned back. Praising God at the top of his voice, and threw himself at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. The man was a Samaritan. This made Jesus say, Were not all ten made clean? The other nine, where are they? It seems that no one has come back to give praise to God except this foreigner. And he said to the man, Stand up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. So, as always, we want to start by thinking about the context. Whenever you sit down to study the Bible, or to study a specific passage of the Bible, the first step is to work out what has happened just before this, particularly if it's a narrative, what has happened just prior to this, because that often helps you work out uh, why Jesus says certain things in this particular scene. So, at this stage, Jesus is moving from Galilee to Judea for the final part of his ministry. If you've been listening for a while, you'll know that the middle section of Luke is a long section that basically covers Jesus' final journey from Galilee to Jerusalem, getting ready for the final week of his life. So we're getting towards the end of this journey to Jerusalem. He's speaking to the crowds along the way. Verse 11 says, On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now, it's helpful to look at a map to see how these things fit together. So Galilee is kind of like the region or the state in the north of Israel. It's kind of the agricultural area where Jesus spends most of his time. And then Samaria is in the middle of Israel. It's in the middle section. Jews lived in Galilee, but it wasn't Jews that lived in Samaria. It was Samaritans that lived in Samaria. And the two didn't really like each other. The text here says that Jesus is traveling the border between Samaria and Galilee. Most Jews avoided going into Samaria, so it's possible that what's happening here, remember Jesus is on the way to Judea, which is the southern region, so he's moving from Galilee down to Judea, but he probably wants to avoid Samaria. That's typically what Jews did if they wanted to go to, uh, from Galilee to Jerusalem, they would avoid Samaria. Now, we know there's other times when he does go into Samaria deliberately, so with the woman at the well, He deliberately goes against the common norms and he deliberately goes into Samaria. But here, it appears he follows the general pilgrimage route. Um, There's probably like a large amount of people walking up to Jerusalem at this time from Galilee to get ready for for the Passover. Some scholars think that he's probably in the Decapolis region at this point, which is sort of uh, in the eastern part here. That was the customary route for Galilean 
pilgrimages to Jerusalem. They would go via the Decapolis, although that's not entirely clear from the text. All we know is that he's somewhere on the border between Galilee and Samaria. Now, that all, all sounds a bit complicated, but if you look at a map, I think you'll see how this all sort of works. It says he entered one of the villages. So apparently this is one of the villages on the border. Ten lepers came to greet him. Now, lepers, they lived in groups away from the rest of the population because they were unclean. They had kind of an infectious disease. We've talked about this in other places in our exegesis. They were ostracized from all public and religious life. That was actually in the Old Testament. It says that if you're a leper, if you have a certain kind of infectious disease, you must live away from the rest of the population because you're ritually unclean and you don't want to make other people ritually unclean. So you can look at Leviticus 13, verses 45 to 46, and Numbers chapter 5, verses 2 to 3, for the context here. It wasn't a very pleasant life to live. If you're a leper, not only do people avoid you, you're also not considered to be a full person, because you're not allowed to partake in the public and religious life. So they come to greet him, but they stand at a distance. So they kind of don't want to infect Jesus or anyone else in the crowds that are following him. So they stand at a distance and they kind of watch Jesus walk past their city. Verse 13, they call to him. So they're calling from a distance. Most likely they can see Jesus because he's been following. There's a big crowd following him. So they work out that must be Jesus. This is what they call to him. Jesus, master, take pity on us. Or you can translate that as have mercy on us. So it means basically something like this. We know you can heal us, Jesus. Please heal us, even though we are not worthy. That seems to be the the flavor of this here. Verse 14, when he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, he doesn't touch them here, probably because he doesn't want to encourage the crowds to touch people with leprosy. There are other places where he does touch people with leprosy, but here, possibly because of the crowds and maybe because of the town he's in, he chooses not to touch them. He just speaks to them from a distance and he says, go and show yourselves to the priests. Why does he say go to the priests? Well, the Old Testament is pretty clear that if a leper claims to be healed of leprosy, they have to first be inspected by a priest. You can look at Leviticus 14 for this background here. Only after they're inspected by a priest and they meet the requirements, the Levitical requirements, could an ex-leper be reinstated back into Israel's covenant life? So if you claim to be healed of leprosy, you have to get the priest to check it out and confirm it. Now, at this stage, Jesus hasn't healed them, apparently. They're just healed on the way to seeing the priests. It's possible that they're healed because they follow Jesus' instructions. Maybe as soon as they agree to do it, they're healed. Or maybe they're healed possibly just by believing that Jesus can heal them. We're not sure exactly when it happens, though. This shows us that Jesus can heal in a variety of ways. Sometimes he directly puts his hand on them. Sometimes he has a direct conversation with them. But in this case, he just briefly says, go and show yourselves to the priests. And that's it. And that's enough to clean them. Now, as they were going away, they were cleansed. So on the road, they realize that they're clean. They no longer have leprosy. There's probably a uh, a visible physical transformation here. They can probably look at each other and go, you don't look like you have the leprosy sores anymore. It will be a miraculous uh, visible transformation. There's actually a scene in The Chosen, the TV series, The Chosen, where it's not this episode, but it's a different uh, a different incident in the Gospels where Jesus heals a leper. And they show it quite beautifully where the leper's skin kind of heals. Verse 15, finding himself cured, one of them turned back, praising God at the top of his voice. 
Now, presumably, they all get healed on the road at the same time, but only one of them praises God and runs back to Jesus to thank him. He throws himself at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. So this man has true gratitude. It's the same response the leper showed earlier in chapter 5, verse 12. That was the last time we saw the lepers. Now, based on the way this action of throwing yourself at someone's feet, based on the way that's used in the Old Testament, the fact that the man does this here, that suggests that he believes Jesus is to be recognized as a king, much like David is. That's sort of the way it's used in the Old Testament. You would do that if you believe someone is a king. So Luke has probably included the action here because in this whole section, as Jesus approaches Jerusalem, Luke is really trying to highlight to the reader that Jesus is a king. We get to verse 16 and Luke says the man was a Samaritan. So that probably implies that most of the other lepers in the group of 10 are Jewish, whereas this man is Samaritan. Remember, they're on the border between Samaria and Galilee. So there's probably a mix of both of them in this particular leprosy clan. Samaritans were considered to be like half-Jews to the Jews of the time. So the Jews did not associate with the Samaritans. They were considered to be impure. So a Samaritan with leprosy is like doubly cursed, doubly cast out of Jewish society. But Luke here mentions that the man is a Samaritan. Luke is constantly trying to highlight that Jesus has come for everyone, even the outcasts, not just for the Jews, but even for the Samaritans. Jesus here is initiating foreigners into God's covenant family, much as Isaiah chapter 56 verses 3 to 8 proclaimed would happen. And that's quite a beautiful passage. Isaiah chapter 56 verses 3 to 8 talks about how foreigners will one day be allowed into the kingdom. And Jesus is fulfilling that here. Now, in some cases, the Samaritans actually follow God's will better than the Jews do, as appears to be the case here. Who comes back? Not the Jewish covenant people, it's the Samaritan man that comes back. Verse 17, this made Jesus say, Were not all ten made clean? The other nine, where are they? So Jesus here expects that if the other men are godly, they would come back and thank God for their healing. He continues, It seems that no one has come back to give praise to God except this foreigner. Now, the Jews claimed that they were the ones who know God the best. They claimed that the Samaritans don't really know God. But here, only the Samaritan recognizes that God has healed him, or maybe only the Samaritan cares enough to come back and thank Jesus. So the Samaritan sets a better example here. Now, interestingly, scholars point out that the word here that's used for foreigner, when Jesus himself says, no one has come back to give praise to God except this foreigner, This is the only place that Greek word appears in the entire New Testament. However, there was a sign on the temple courts at this time, at the time of Jesus, and the sign on the temple read this, no foreigners beyond this point, and that word was used. So the fact that Jesus uses this particular word and that Luke includes this particular word, it suggests that Jesus is overcoming the barrier between Jews and non-Jews, because the sign in the temple which used this word was there as a barrier to stop them from, uh, to stop the Gentiles from getting close to God. But here Jesus says this foreigner, this outsider, is now close to God. He's come to break down the barrier. That could be a fulfillment of that Isaiah passage, uh, chapter 56, verses 3 to 7. There it specifically says that in the kingdom of God, all foreigners will be allowed into the temple to praise God. So this could be a fulfillment of that. In fact, Jesus quotes this same passage later when he cleanses the temple. If you go to chapter 19, verse 46, Jesus quotes from Isaiah chapter 56. And the whole point there is, 
people are in the outer court and they're not letting Gentiles worship God, but God cleanses the temple so that the Gentiles can worship God. So there's probably a connection here. Verse 19, he said to the man, stand up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Or you can translate that, you, your faith has made you well. You'll often hear this phrase, when Jesus does healings, he often follows it up by saying, your faith has made you well. This is a bit difficult to explain here because all of the lepers were made well. So why does Jesus say, your faith has made you well? Because apparently only this man really had faith. So that would imply that the other man shouldn't have been healed because they don't have faith, but they were healed. So maybe what the meaning here is when Jesus says your faith has saved you, maybe the saved means you've been brought into the kingdom. It doesn't just mean you've been physically healed, you have been spiritually healed as well. This man, because he has faith, has been spiritually healed. He's been brought into the kingdom. Whereas the other nine, because they don't have faith, they were not brought into the kingdom on this day. So here, it seems a Samaritan is saved. He's brought into the kingdom would be probably one of the few in Jesus' ministry who are brought into the kingdom. But later in the book of Acts, chapter 8, verse 12, lots of Samaritans are brought into the kingdom. So maybe this episode, remember Luke writes both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, maybe he's setting up his sequel here by telling his readers that some Samaritans did find the kingdom. And then, of course, in the book of Acts, many find the kingdom. There might also be a subtle allusion here, this whole episode of Jesus healing the Samaritan, to how Elisha, the prophet in the Old Testament, he cleansed a foreign leper called Naaman while he was living in Samaria. That's in 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 to 14. Maybe Luke, as he often does, is highlighting that Jesus is greater even than the Old Testament prophets. And in that story of Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 5, when Naaman is healed, he comes back and praises the God of Israel. So there's certainly some similarities here. That's the end of our exegesis. Let's quickly look at the catechism to see what we can learn from this passage. How does it inform our Catholic faith? The main place here is in paragraph 586, which discusses Jesus' relationship with the temple. Far from having been hostile to the temple, where he gave the essential part of his teaching, Jesus was willing to pay the temple tax, associating him with Peter, whom he had just made the foundation of his future church. And the paragraph goes on from there. Now, the connection to today's uh, reading is not entirely clear, but if you look at the footnotes in the Catechism for paragraph 586, it references here uh, Luke chapter 17, and particularly the fact that he tells the lepers to go show themselves to the priests. If Jesus didn't like the temple and he didn't agree that there should be priests, well, then he wouldn't have sent the man to go to the priests, would he? So this... uh, part of Luke, as well as other places in the Gospels, show us that Jesus had a mostly positive relationship with the temple. Thanks for listening today. I hope you've learned something new. Please keep this ministry in your prayers. Send through your questions. Send through your feedback. Tell us what you like about the ministry. You can email at logicalbiblestudy at gmail.com and there's more information about the ministry in the show notes. Thanks once again. We'll continue to look at Luke in the coming days. Thank you.